Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. Hello, Creative Giants. This is Charlie Gilkey, and I'm delighted to have Jonathan Button and Quinn Vandenberg with me today. They started Life Out of the Box, which is a company, well, well, we'll get into that. At age 25, Quinn and Jonathan left everything behind in California and moved to Nicaragua with just two backpacks and a huge passion to start something that allowed us and others around them to truly make an impact on the world. After six months of living like locals, living off of $2 a day, working with local educational nonprofits and local artisans, Life Out of the Box was launched from their tiny $4 a night hostel. After they made their first sale and gave school supplies to the first children in Nicaragua, they traveled all over Nicaragua giving school supplies to thousands of other children. Since they launched in November 2012, they have traveled to develop Life Out of the Box products from Nicaragua, Guatemala, and Morocco and have given thousands of school supplies to kids in Nicaragua, Guatemala, Mexico, Morocco, and Kenya. They're doing really great things in the world, and I'm so delighted to have them with us today. Jonathan and Quinn, thanks so much for joining us, and um, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having us. We're really excited to be here. Okay, so I just read a a brief interview, or excuse me, a brief um, overview of what you do, but explain this to me. You're 25, you're living in California. How does one decide, I think we're just going to go to Nicaragua and live like locals and start a business. How does that work? Well, it actually wasn't that easy of a decision. It actually took tons and tons of research. We, um, we, the, the first question that once we started dating was basically, how do we define success? And once we really divulged into that question of what does success mean to us on a very personal level, it became quite clear that what we were doing at our corporate jobs Uh, in our cubicle was not getting us to our personal definition of success and therefore it became quite easy for us to make such a crazy change and shift past so that we were making sure that we were heading towards our ideal self. Yeah, exactly. I mean, once we started asking each other that question and what we were doing was not getting us to that path, we knew we had to change right away. I mean, we figured the longer that we stayed around doing what we were going to do, the more excuses would come up. And so we knew we had to just rip the bandaid off and just go for it. Okay. So we mentioned you started this when you were 25. How many years ago was that? That was two and a half years ago. Yep. Okay. Two and a half years ago. <laughs> How long had you guys been a couple before you took that journey? Yeah. So we've been dating for three years. And so we started dating in November 2011. And the whole idea of living our life out of the box really came together just in January and February of 2012. And that's when we just really started, you know, questioning what is success and what is our ideal life. And um, then it was really in March that we decided that we need to make a change and we're moving to Nicaragua. And by April, we quit our jobs and told our family we're moving and we flew out in May. And it was really quick for both of us and unfortunately for our family as well. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll come back to this. So <laughs> let's go into some of the sourcing and, and actually what the business slash um, cause of your of your business is so that so people understand what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So um, basically the way the business works is we go to developing countries. We started in Nicaragua um, and we work with local artisans based on their own talents and the material that they have locally there with them. Um, from there, we develop unique handmade products 
Um, right. You know, we started off with bracelets. It's expanded since, but we work with them to create these products. Um, and for each one that we sell, we sell online on our online store. We give a child and needs school supplies. Now each product has its own unique hand stamped number on it, um, which the customer can actually use that number, go online onto our website, look that number up and see the exact child that they give school supplies to. So we loved um, the idea of giving a product for every product that we would sell, but we really wanted to take it a step further and actually make it transparent, make the connection, um, actually create the connection between the customer and the person who um, receives the school supplies. Um, made because that's the best that's the best part of the whole idea in itself so um, that's how it works and um, we've created local handmade products in various different countries now we work with artisans as you said in Nicaragua Guatemala Mexico and Morocco and we're expanding our product line um, into other countries as well right now yeah it all was kind of just a completely crazy and radical idea that the the idea that we could actually show our customers their impact but it really came together for us once we made our very first sale when we launched our store in November 2012, right when we launched, uh, sold our to a customer that we've never met before, and we got the opportunity to go and give school supplies to a little girl in the streets of Nicaragua. Once we handed her those school supplies and saw her reaction and her mother's reaction, we really felt like we were onto something that was much bigger than both of us. And so we've kind of just been riding that crazy roller coaster as long as we possibly can to really just bring this uh, opportunity of making a difference in someone else's life to our customers all around the world. And it's really been um, very rewarding for us to say the least. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work. Um, needless to say, I mean, when you know, when you want to create that transparent, that transparency, there's a reason why maybe someone hasn't done it before. It is a lot of work and kind of a daunting task. I mean, when we give the children's school supplies, we actually interview them. We ask them for their name, their age, their favorite subject in school, and what they want to be when they grow up. And that is a huge part of what it what we do because asking them what they want to be when they grow up, that's something that I was asked a lot, you know, when I was going to school all the time. But for a lot of these kids, it's the very first time someone's asked them. So it's a huge part of it. And so then putting the profile together for every child is a lot of work too, but it's completely worth it. It's really um, what drives us and what has really allowed us to attain our customer base uh, to what it is today. Bring us into your world a little bit more, because for many of your customers, school supplies, I mean, it's something that we do every August. It's like, you know, you got back to school, you go get the backpack, you get the clothes, you get to right? Not that big of a deal. Um, what is it about school supplies and things like that that you think um, is making the type of impact that you would want in the world? Yeah. Well, Sorry. Uh, yes. Well, um, basically, it came from experience. Um, we knew in order for us to figure out what our social venture was going to do, how it was going to make an impact, we had to actually live where we wanted to make a difference. So um, in the first six months that we lived, we didn't have a business. We just basically immersed ourselves in the culture, and we started working with schools and local nonprofit organizations, just completely you know, living on $2 a day, really trying to understand and connect with people there. So once we did that, we volunteered with a lot of different schools all around Nicaragua. And um, as we were going inside and outside helping um, in various ways, whether it was fixing wells so that the schools would have running water or putting bathroom doors on the bathrooms or painting the schools, um, we went around on the outside, but we also went inside and asked the teachers and the directors of these nonprofits and saw this, the kids, the students who are in these rural schools 
and asked them what they needed. And they said that they needed the basic supplies. And it was something that we would never have known um, was a true problem in the world. But we saw it and we asked why that was. And they said, well, they raised funding for a lot of the major problems that really do need fixing. I mean, the kids need water. They need doors on the bathrooms. Um, so therefore, that means that some of the smaller things get kind of they slip through the cracks. So immediately we saw that as something that we could actually try to fix um, as it was something we didn't know was a need in the world until we actually saw it with our own eyes. And then the more we traveled to all these different other countries, we saw a lot of uh, that same issue was reoccurring. And we both are really connected to education, whether it's, you know, in school or you're self-taught, whatever it is. Um, we really do believe that education um, can change the world. And if you just give someone the tools to be able to make it happen for themselves, they could really create and change their own future and possibly their own country's future. So um, that's, I know it's really hard to um, understand as someone coming from America where it is back to school shopping, um, we're really lucky. You know, it's not that same way all around the world, unfortunately. Yeah, the one, one thing that does help others conceptualize the, what we're trying to do is when we were in class and we were trying to learn a subject in school, I can only imagine how difficult it would be if I couldn't write down the material that I was learning and then later being able to remember it and study it so that I can progress onto my ideal self. When these children are in class and they don't have, you know, a notebook and a pencil to write down the material that's being taught, I don't understand how it would be possible for them to really get it, conceptualize it and proceed on. And so that was what one driving force of helping us understand what their true needs are and how we can help them attain them. All righty. So who makes the products? I'm, I'm curious about this question because I've, I've done a lot of research in economic development and have some other side ventures going on that, I'm, that are in the works. But what I've noticed is that honestly, there are certain types of goods that are primarily made by women within some of the cultures that we're talking about. And when we actually buy those types of goods, it has, it, it has a tendency to increase economic prosperity for the villages and towns much more so if we buy the ones made by males and so there's just bias there i'm curious have you found that as well and do you do you intentionally source products that are made by women yeah absolutely i mean we um in every country it's completely it varies depending on what the family situation is so in nicaragua the woman was kind of the the boss of the household so her job in the in the places we lived in was always running the family, making sure that everyone, you know, was, had food on the table and was able to continue to go on to what they had to do to get life going. In Guatemala, it was actually a very different role where we worked with, uh, women, specifically indigenous Mayan women in co-ops to create these hand-woven bracelets. And so a lot of the people in the area that we worked in, they don't even speak Spanish, let alone English, because they just speak their own mind dialect. So we really connected with the idea that if we can help not only provide the jobs for the people in the villages, but also provide the children with the tools so that they can learn at least Spanish, then that opens up so many more doors for them as they go on to enter the workforce. So it, it does vary a lot, but we definitely completely understand what you were saying yeah. as far as, um, you know, the difference in, in finding women to make the products and men and how that makes it imbalanced. But um, it's definitely something that we do try to, to, um, to, 
to go after, you know? Well, I would also say it does vary depending on um, what country. And we actually learned this just last year because this time last year we were living in Morocco. And Morocco was very different. Um, compared to C Central America. Yeah. And so where we did see the uh, females were dominant and they were the artisans um, in Central America, it wasn't that way in Morocco. Um, so in that case, we did, um, we, we worked with the local artisans in the Medina of Marrakesh, which is, you know, the main local area. And they work so hard every day. They're working day in and day out, six days a week, um, all the time. And it was, it was male dominated. There was no women who were making these, um, making these things at all. So it was very different. And, um, and so we're open to basically wanting to give the best opportunity to the person who's willing to work the hardest and to the person, you know, who, who wants to create these handmade things. And mm -hmm. it is a really huge part of a social venture to be able to, allow people in that country to create things and actually use that income to be able to support their own family. And that's one of our favorite parts of the business and why we still stick with handmade items from yeah. these different countries. Yeah, we always work hand in hand with the artisan to really, you know, develop that relationship because through developing that relationship, uh, not only does it allow us to really make that much better of products for our customers, but it also gives us so much more insight into what life is like in these developing countries. And through that insight, that's how we can learn how we can make as large of an impact on these communities as well. So it's been, it's been a crazy wild journey, but yeah. it's, um, we're always trying to learn as much as possible yeah. about the locations we're in. Cool. All right. And so to tie things together, what, what's great about what Jonathan and Quinn are doing here is, right, when we look at economic development, there, there are several poles that you have to hit. How are people making money today? is one major question that you have to look at. And if they're not making a certain amount of money, they don't survive or they survive in very poor conditions. But a follow-on question is then, how do you help them build a better future for themselves? And for a lot of our economic policies from the West, a lot of times it just focuses on the former. Let's keep them alive, but let's not think about how we're going to build future prosperity or the other way around. It focuses just on future prosperity. So what this does, um, and you know, some of you fall in between lines, but I know you might be driving, so I'm pulling this together. Is one, it keeps people, it gets people fed, and it keeps people employed today. But given that the product is actually going to support kids, it also supports the future, and so that's a great 360 model when we look at a social venture like this. So great job on that, guys. Yeah, yeah, and to to add to that, we also. It's so rewarding for us. I mean, like I said, like um, in, in Guatemala, the, the women, they don't speak Spanish. So when I'm trying to help them conceptualize what our business model is or when we were in Morocco and they only speak Arabic and French, and I actually have to draw it out. The moment where they understand what our bigger goal is, is the moment that I'm able to give either their kids or the kids in the, in the neighborhood that are right around where they're working as artisans, the school supplies. And once they understand that they helped me create this product and through selling this product, I'm able to help provide those kids in your local community with the school supplies that they need to help, you know, build their future. And that's such a beautiful moment that I really cherish every time because it always happens with every artisan and it's a, uh, it's, it really brings us so much closer to our artisans than we ever imagined when we started at first. All right, so let's give an idea of the scope of the business and how many units you're moving and things like that. You don't necessarily have to tell me numbers and, and, and like revenue and profit, but just give us a sense for how many pieces you're moving and, and what type of scope we're talking about there. 
Yeah, so we um, we started with our very first bracelet, and each bracelet has a unique number on it, so it's actually fairly easy to give a good idea of like where we're at. And so uh, our very first bracelet obviously had number one, and we thought that single digits was a very cool moment because you know we're at we're now we're at five thousand six hundred, and we're just trying to work as hard as we possibly can to give to thousands of kids around the world, and so. The way that we've kind of been measuring it in most recent times is because we've been able to give to various countries that we haven't even had the opportunity to be in, but have been able to distribute school supplies through volunteers and other supporters. Um, we've been able to give to more countries, which would also include to the list that you said earlier. We've also been able to give to around 450 students just this last month in uh, to children in Belize in a very poor village. And so we're constantly um, trying to, we just focus on how many kids can we give to all around the world. And from that, um, we have, we have crazy huge goals that we're trying to attain, but it's something that we work hard every day to get that much closer to. Yeah. Our goal this year is to give to 10,000 children. So right now we're, you know, our bracelet numbers are up to five, 500 for 5,000 or so. Um, and we want to give to 10,000. So of course that then asks the question, you know, are you going to get 10,000 more products? So that is something that we're working on right now. And, um, luckily we do have really good connections, um, and relationships with our artisans in these different countries so that, you know, when we are ready to start selling at that level, which we are, we're ramping up and getting ready to scale to that level. Um, we're ready for it. So it's, I mean, there's of course a lot of different logistics of, um, getting the getting the school supplies down there, as well as getting the um, new the new handmade products up here, but um, it's really exciting because it's a goal that we really do see um, as being attainable this year. Yeah, it really is like two businesses in one, but it's that makes it extremely challenging, but just as just that much more rewarding. Yeah, and we couldn't do it without the help of our nonprofits who are there in these communities. They know the needs. They know what the kids need and what the people need the most. We couldn't do it without them there all the time. So we're, we're lucky that we have some really good partners as well. Little did you know, what, four years ago that you'd be starting a logistics business, eh? Yeah. Yeah, no. No idea. <laughs> but that's essentially what it is. You got stuff here that needs to go there, and then you got a backhaul of stuff that goes the other way. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. Um, and... Two different businesses, depending upon which way you're going. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> now, the 5,000 number or so that you gave, that's that's lifetime product. Or that's that's total sales from when you started, not this year, right? Yes. Right. All right so you're trying to get to 10,000 10, by the end of the year. So where are we as far as this? Or is it 10,000 total that for the year or you're trying to get to 10,000? Yeah, we're trying to give to 10,000 total. That is our that is our big dream. And that's what we're working hard to attain yeah and we're, we're not we're not afraid to start you know i mean we started from the very very <laughs> beginning of you know hand stamping the the products ourselves so you know these small goals if we exceed them that's great but we really do like setting ourselves with goals that we know that we can attain and how can we actually attain them so ten thousand by the end of the year um is our goal and i'm pretty it's a lot of kids yeah and that's it, a lot of products it but of it's kids. something that you know, we're, we've been working hard to scale to this point now, and now we're ready to attack it. Mm -hmm. We're looking at it is you've had two years in seat, right? Two years of doing this, and you're at five 5,000 or so. Right. Mm -hmm. And this year you want to double that. Mm -hmm. To be clear, I'm not questioning whether you're going to mm -hmm. be successful because you're, you're <laughs> going to get really close if not exceed that. I'm just curious. 
what do you think are the big difference makers that you're going through in your venture right now? Because a lot of entrepreneurs, whether they're social entrepreneurs or whether they're just bootstrapped entrepreneurs or cash funded entrepreneurs, we always go through this sort of hockey stick moment, right? Or we always want to prepare for the hockey stick moment where we've got sort of the slow takeoff and then we shoot up, right? So what are some of the elements you're thinking are going to be helpful for the shoot up part of your of your takeoff here? Yeah, so one thing for sure is in the last few months, we've been really playing around with the idea of how can we give to children around the world without us actually being there. And so we've had a few like kind of experimental uh, tests where, you know, a few volunteers go and we we help to provide them with the school supplies and provide them with a process so that they can distribute them as well as provi- uh, provide us with all the information of each child and the photos of each child so that we can provide those to our customers. And that process in itself is, is quite complicated, but through the refining of it, we were, like I said earlier, we were able to get to around 450 students just last month. And so being able to utilize um, these volunteers that are already going to these countries to do nonprofit work and helping them be able to make that much more of an impact as they go there to you know, teach children English or help kids with their vocational skills, that's, um, that's one way that we are working to attain our 10,000 children goal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just streamlining certain parts of the operations, um, being able to to do that now is something that a year ago was really hard to conceptualize and see that we could actually do that. And to see that these things are progressing and they're progressing at a rapid pace. I mean, we're really we're both really big believers in, you know, fail fast and keep moving, pivot. If it's not going to work, then change. So that's kind of what we've been doing for the last two years. And we're finally starting to see things that are actually working, you know, that are that we can really see, Okay, did that work? Yeah. We did, you know, they gave without us being there. How can we make that easier for them? How can we make the process more refined? And so now it's almost like more refining as opposed to, you know, creating it. Um, We've created it. We've been like seeding, you know, in the seed phase. And now we're ready to just go for it. I like the hockey stick example. I mean, it really is. It kind of feels like that. Um, Also, based on, you know, the we've we've been blogging about this entire journey since the very first day. And we still have people who have been there from the beginning who aren't our family and friends who were along the journey with us. And along this way, we've um, started building our own little tribe. And, um, you know, these are the core people who really believe in us and we couldn't be here without them. And so slowly but surely, it is starting to, you know, get a little bit bigger and bigger. And so um, it's just, it's a, it's a really fun and exciting time. And we just, we work constantly too. I mean, it's not like it just happens overnight. You know, I've heard the quote, you know, yeah, I've worked five years for a success overnight. And um, that's kind of every single day we work weekends, morning, afternoon and night. And so um, just feeling like, you know, the work is really starting to pay off and that um, things are starting to, to progress. It's, it's a good feeling. And that's kind of why we feel like this year might be, might be the year where we can double it. Okay. So with, let's just say $30,000 in sales that just happened overnight or in funding, what would you do different once that happened? Or what would that, what would that do for you? Yeah, well, we always, uh, conceptualize the idea of if we had, you know, significant more amount of money, how can we really scale the business? And we have all sorts of different ideas as far as how we um, we plan on really developing it and growing it. And as far as the money goes, I mean, if we got more money, we would just 
travel the world and just work that much harder to partner with that many more nonprofit organizations and work with that many more artisans to develop more products all around the world. And so uh, that's basically what we're doing, but in kind of a longer process. So we are already looking at which countries we're planning on going to next, what are the organizations in those countries, and what are the different styles of or variations of products that we may be able to attain when we're in those countries. And then from there, you know, we want to bring it to market and see if we can, um, you know, add to our online retail as well as give to more kids in different countries all around the world. Yeah. So we would just keep on reinvesting right into the core of what has established us today. It's just giving, giving school supplies, hiring artisans in different countries and expanding our product line so that our customers can get a little piece of these different cultures around the world and have the opportunity to give. So we would just keep investing into that. I mean, that's authentically who we are. And so that's just exactly where the money would go. All right. I'm going to take my business strategist and mechanic hat off because I'll keep asking those types of questions. And that, that's not what we're trying to do here. Let, let's switch to the personal side of things. I told you I was coming back to this. Okay. So you guys were dating for what, nine months before you took off? How long was that process? Uh, November to May is when we bought our, when we flew yeah, out. It was, we were, yeah, we were dating for six months. And then uh, we... We bought the domain name for Life Out of the Box in March. We quit our jobs in April, and then we left on the one-way ticket in May 2012. Um, so <laughs> it was – I mean, luckily we were friends before, and then we started dating. So it was, it was a whirlwind of change. But we recognized how rapid that process occurred for us, and, and it, was, it was shocking to say the least for a lot of our family and friends just to hear like we're running they a lot of them interpreted it as us running away from it all but really it was running towards something bigger than us and it was it, it it's still we reflect on it and we laugh about how crazy it was but it made us who we are and we're grateful for that that was right time right timing we were both in that time of our life and ready to go on to the next next step okay so as far as your relationship dynamics goes, like what's been the most challenging from you guys? Like, cause not only are you really learning how to run <laughs> a logistics business, a worldwide logistics business, and you got all that going on, but you're still figuring each other out in certain special ways, right? Yeah. What's been the most challenging part of that latter part, the figuring each other out as couples um, that, that I, I see this happen a lot in entrepreneurial couples, right? So yeah. it, it pop up in different ways. So, so talk to us. What's that like? For us, I mean, it's definitely, understanding our work-life balance. Um, it's so difficult for us to go home and not talk about life out of box after that's all we did for the last eight or nine hours. And then tomorrow morning, we're going to be going right back at it again. So it's really been, uh, it's been really interesting how we have really got it to a point where it's like, okay, we have to put life out of box to the side just so that we can focus on each other, our love, and our personal relationship, and then we'll be right back at it tomorrow. But we got to put it to the side just so that we can allow our minds to rest a little bit from this crazy concept that we've been running with for the last two and a half years. So that's been an interesting dynamic. Yeah, that that I think currently is probably the one thing that we are are learning how to do better every day. Yeah. I think when we were first. When we first left and we were traveling together, I mean, we were pretty a, a new couple, mm -hmm. and it was interesting 
I mean, being together, just the two of us in a brand new country, not being able to speak the language at first, not knowing anyone. It was a complete fresh start. We didn't have an income. We were living off of our savings. It was scary. And um, having that different kind of dependency on each other, um, you know, formed a different sort of relationship. And um, that was a really huge learning experience for both of us, I think, that we now take on as the business has developed, where we kind of understand each other in a very different way, where we created this together. Our roots are the exact same. Everything is the same. And we're all, we're all on the same page with almost everything because from the very beginning, this is everything that we wanted. And you know, of course, we have our differences sometimes, just like everyone does, but it's it's about being able to compromise. And we really, really learned how to do that in a different culture with different people together. And so it's it's been really advantageous, actually. Yeah, in uh, we're business. definitely, we feel like we've, you know, been together for, you know, 10 years just because we're always together. But it's, uh, it's what we feel kind of differentiates ourselves and it's it's only going to get stronger, that's for sure. Yeah, work-life balance is largely a product of the industrialized society where we didn't spend as much time as couples together in a home. Like when you're on a homestead, you spend a lot of time with the people you're around. So right. it was just different at that time. But we've seen with the rebirth of entrepreneurship, we've seen similar trends come up. It's like, I'm looking at you all day and you're looking at me all day, <laughs> right? But we still yeah. have to look at each other differently at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's this Absolutely. weird sort of thing where it's not like you guys go and work 10 hours a a day separate and come home and talk about how work was. You know how work was and you were there, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah, it's, it's different. And, and I think people listening to the show will understand that. And um, we get that. Totally get that. Awesome. Right. So yeah, it's rare. Yeah, it's very strange. It's very strange because <laughs> you don't see a lot of movies about it, you know. You don't, yeah. Very true. Not, not no yet. movies yet. Yeah. Um, so looking backwards, what's been the hardest thing that you've, that you've faced with, with doing what you're doing? Um. I think for me, initially, it was just the culture shock of, of leaving and literally no safety net whatsoever, just jumping, diving in 100% head first. Um, for me, I continue to tell everyone I know now that that's pretty much the only way I think you can really do anything is, you know, you just got to dive in head first or else you're going to kind of, you know, waffle either way. Because um, I don't know if today life out of the box would be what it is today if we hadn't just dove right in. So the scariest part was, was that I think for me initially, but now I'm, I, it's, it, it's hard for me to look back and see who I was then. Cause I've, I've changed so much. Um, and that, that was the hardest thing I ever went through. And then now, um, you know, it doesn't seem that bad. Yeah. Adapting to these cultures and the, the different cultures in Nicaragua, Guatemala, and Morocco, they just take so much time for you to really become a part of it. And rather than us trying to change the culture, we knew from the very beginning that we had to take the time to allow the culture to change us. And that that process, I mean, it, it's really relationship-based and it's just time invested into being focused on becoming a part of it. And um, yeah, I guess you can't, you can't really ever, even though we knew that the culture was going to change us, we couldn't really plan on how much time that would take. And it took more time than we could have ever expected. But because of it, our perspective on life in general or coming back to the United States is completely different for the better. And I feel like it's actually provided us with more of an entrepreneurial mindset through being able to see opportunities and recognizing what opportunities we've naturally just been given just based on the way, you know, where we're born and 
what's around us. And so it's definitely, um, it's definitely taking some time to get that culture going, but it's, it's, it's so for the better. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And of course there are other, you know, stories, we have a bunch of stories where, you know, I got sick with dengue fever and that was really close to death experience in a hospital in Nicaragua. And that was only like four or five months in, um, to living Nicaragua. But that experience, um, I have to say was one of the motivating things for us to actually just get life out of the box going. Cause after I got sick, we made it happen right. Like within a month after that, cause it was, you know, there's nothing like death that'll get you going, you know, yeah. just the fear of death. So, it, you know, there's all those, I mean, it, the whole thing about entrepreneurship is that it's difficult and it's hard. And of course, everyone would do it if it wasn't difficult. Um, but it's really, really rewarding. Those highs and lows, um, you have to embrace all of it. So, um, yeah, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of hard parts, but there are a lot of really good parts too. Yeah, if there weren't, if there weren't the lows, then we wouldn't know what a true high is. And if there weren't the highs, then we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. So it all comes together in one big picture. And that's what we live for. Okay. You both mentioned that you're better people now than you were before you started. So Quinn, for you starting three ways in which you think you're better. And then I'll come to you, Jonathan. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I think, for me, uh, one of the ways I feel like you know I'm a better person, I guess I'll just I'll just go into all of them. One of them is that I really do feel really lucky, and I'm very grateful for what I was born into. Um, I didn't have that perspective before I left, and um, it really drives me every single day to not miss a single opportunity just based on what I have. Um, Second is um, empathy. I feel, you know, actual empathy for um, a lot of the things that go on in the world. And I, I really, I feel like I actually can maybe have a small effect on it. Because I have seen a lot of people, I've, I've seen one person change one person's life. And if you can change one person's life, that's, that's doing a lot. And um, so, yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah, I mean, for for me, definitely my whole perspective on life itself. I mean, I feel, I mean, it kind of goes back to the basis of why we are called life out of the box. But I feel if you're confined to your area, you're not seeing the world for what it is. And if you do step out of your little area to go and see and experience the world to its fullest, you'll come back with a completely new perspective on that area that you originally came from. So, for me, the the perspective on life in general is just like, I mean, I'm I'm extremely grateful. I'm extremely motivated, and I'm also um, I'm also that much more uh, passionate about going after my dream because I truly believe in it. After seeing, you know, what the world is full picture through my travels, I really believe that um, the best education you can really receive is through traveling and experiencing these new cultures and I really feel like you know whether I'm doing business with an artisan or whether I'm giving to kids in elementary school in Morocco all those opportunities are just showing me that I can I can really achieve anything that I want to <laughs> that was a good question never had that, that one that was before. a really good question yeah well you know something that came up for me when you were responding, Jonathan, is what we don't recognize in the United States sometimes is how education rich we are, but experience poor. Mm -hmm. And we think that they go together, but they often do not. And that's some, that's coming from someone who spent a long time in, you know, in graduate school. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a difference between sort of the, what you learn and what you live. And, you know, it's cool to see you guys out there living. So 
Um, what is the biggest, most unanticipated challenge that you're currently facing? The biggest, most unanticipated challenge that we're currently facing would probably be um, unanticipated. That's where the curveball is. But uh, unanticipated. I would have to say that uh, it's oh, – do you have an answer to that? I'm not gonna it's a really, really good hard. question. Yeah, if you didn't say unanticipated, I would I would have a lot of answers for you, but unanticipated would probably be I think I've got one. Good, good. For okay. You. Um an unanticipated problem that on the other side is also a good opportunity, but um is that we have a large amount of people who want to be involved yeah. in a hands-on experiential way. Like what you were just saying, education rich experience poor they want the experience they want to be a part of it they want to help give they want to not just not only buy a bracelet but they want to come with us and so that's something that we're really trying to conceptualize and we're trying to figure out how can we do that how can we we i mean we are like we just told you we're different people after doing this if we can even give someone just 10 days of an experience or you know a summer or something you know just allow them to have the opportunity to do something that they never thought they had the chance to do and touch someone else's life, that would be great. So um, that's an unanticipated problem that we didn't really, un we didn't really foresee happening, but we also could see it as, um, you know, an opportunity to, yeah. to help give other people ex the experience of life out of the box. Yeah. So like maybe a, a easier way to conceptualize that answer is, is basically when we created life out of the box, we were in hope to you know, inspire, motivate people to actually go and do it. What we didn't plan on happening was that people would, even with like us, like telling them you can do it and writing these articles, trying to really help them feel comfortable with the idea that they don't have to remain in the safety zone. We did not expect that people would respond with, yeah, but I just still don't know how I can do it. And they just can't actually make it happen. And so that is something that we see as maybe a possible opportunity, but we just we haven't been able to conceptualize on how we're actually going to bring these people together to help them actually truly live their life out of the box and experience the world for what it is. And and you know, that's that's a that was something yeah we definitely did in, anticipate, and it's only kind of in the last month been something that we've been really seeing as a problem, which is an opportunity. It is, yeah. It's funny how when you start being successful in what you're doing, all of a sudden people pop up and want to be a part of it. But when you're not successful, like you're out there looking for people to be a part of it. So, it, yeah. you know, what what you've seen is, is quite normal is that an unanticipated effect of many of us doing what we do is, whoa, people start caring. <laughs> what do we do about that? How do we get them involved? So on and so forth, because it's not what we anticipate. All right. So let's assume that we're really digging what you're doing and we want to be a part of of life out of the box what's the biggest way that we can join and be join you and 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 help you be successful well we are online um you can co go check out our website learn a little bit more about our story we've got an interactive timeline on there you can check out um you know videos we've made we've written an article we've written we wrote an article every single day when we first moved you can read all about that you can learn more about our artisans you can re read more about our products um, all that stuff. We're on social media. We're all over, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and whatnot. And we love getting emails from people and just having people share their own story. And you know, if you want to help, want help, and you know, trying to live your life out of the box, we love hearing from you. We love, you know, that's one of our passions too. Is really, you know, 
trying to help others pursue their dreams and their own passions as well. Yeah, for us, it's really building up that community of like-minded people that are either thinking about it or on the edge of stepping out of their comfort zone, whether it's for entrepreneurial reasons or just the idea of just wanting to learn as much as you can about the world that we live in. And um, we, my, our request would basically to let's build up that community. And like we try to build it up on our website and on our social media to really build it up, not just our voice going out to them, but we really want to bring it around. And we've seen it many times where, you know, different people are bringing their ideas and thoughts together or trying to conceptualize about the idea of what life out of the box means to them. And I think through that communication stream, that's where you'll we'll really start to develop and see action being taken place. Yeah, I mean, we're willing to come and travel to a group of people who want to talk about stuff, you know, whether it's entrepreneurship, giving back, traveling, whatever it is, we, we love hearing from others. So um, yeah, check us out online and maybe we can meet up in person sometime. All right, so that was a buffet of yeses. Give us one yes, one thing that we can do to support you. You're right. Um, one thing you could do to support us is just check out our website online um, and connect with us right there at www.lifeoutbox.com. <laughs> nice. All righty. If people um, only take away one thing from this conversation, what would you want that to be? Go out there and see the world for what it is. And through you pursuing your own dream, give back to help someone else have the opportunity to go and live their life out of the box as well. Yeah, I would say take the risk, make it happen. You can change the world. Go out and do it. Thanks so much for being with us, Jonathan and Quinn. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Creative Giants, for you all listening, hope you've enjoyed today's conversation. Take one step today to live your life a little bit out of the box. Maybe that crazy idea that you've got just sitting there, maybe it's got more legs than you think about it. Never know what might happen if you start doing it. So take that step and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, Creative Giant.